Welcome to Beyond Conventional Marketing, a marketing leader's guide to digital consumer experiences. You're about to hear an episode full of insights from marketing leaders to help you build meaningful moments and relevant digital experiences for your consumers. Join us as we hear from marketing leaders about their experiences with data and personalization, digital marketing trends, and expert advice on how to grow your business and connect with consumers. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Beyond Conventional Marketing. I'm your host, Anushka Lokesh, and today's guest is Kate James, who is the Senior Manager of Digital Commerce Marketing at Coca-Cola. Hey, Kate, how are you? Hi, I'm great. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy you're here. I'm super excited about our conversation today. Before we dive into it, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, your career, and what you do now at Coca-Cola? Sure, happy to. So this might be a little bit cheesy, uh, but I can I truly consider myself a digitally native storyteller. And I've been lucky to be on teams as a digital marketer, which operate in agile ways in emerging categories. I have worked with clients like the Nature Conservancy, Citibank, Capital One, but some of my most impactful lessons um, have been in strategic marketing with the Coca-Cola company, which, as you said, right now, I'm currently sitting on the e-commerce marketing team supporting our portfolio of North American brands. So from the experiences that you've had, how would you describe your approach to digital marketing? Sure. Well, I think it's helpful to lay the groundwork in how I think about digital. So truly, to me, like at this point in the game, everything is digital. <laughs> I don't want any digital marketers listening in to restrict themselves and thinking that it only relates to a specific set of apps or platforms or a certain type of viral content. I would say that we should reconsider the bigger picture because if you think about every moment that a consumer interacts with an element of your brand along their shopper journey, every moment is a human interaction with your brand and the lines of how we kind of experience our world day to day have effectively blurred between physical and digital. Any kind of experience that we have, even in the physical world, a lot of times is captured or relayed, or we talk about it in a digital channel, which I think is really exciting. So I think in this conversation, we can chat about a few examples of how Coke has been kind of redefining what digital means to them, which I think could be exciting. That said, I love using the quote from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which if you haven't watched that movie in a while, this is your excuse to. But the quote that says, you know, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. I think that that's really true to the world that we as marketers exist in today. Life is moving pretty fast and it seems like Every day there's a new technology that we could potentially invest in or a new metaverse to explore. And that change is exciting, but I could imagine that it can also be exhausting and overwhelming because I think marketers are trying to make decisions on, you know, what are the right investments to make? What's working? What do we want to test and learn? And sometimes it's helpful to kind of take a pause and reflect on really the areas that you can't afford to miss. 
Yeah, definitely. I love that. I think definitely marketing has changed so much in the last, I would say, maybe 10 years. And then even more so, I would say in the last maybe like four or five years. I'm curious to know. So from the perspective of Coca-Cola, how have consumers evolved? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think Coke is an interesting company to study and brand to study because it's been around longer than 136 years. That's, I like to say it's literally older than sliced bread. (laughs) It was founded in 1892. And the way that Coke has marketed to consumers has evolved as consumers have evolved, right? So the TV was invented in 1927 and we evolved from print to television advertising like the now iconic Hilltop commercial where there's the jingle, I'd like to buy a world of Coke and it first aired in the 70s. Or, you know, we had the moon landing in 1969 and in 1985, Coke was one of the first soft drinks consumed in space, which was a legacy we recently gave nod to in our latest brand innovation, Starlight. So as we all know, I think that the 2000s have not only now launched social networking, but more ease and adoption of online transactional channels, where we have now more direct ways than ever before to connect with consumers. And so the company is evolving to meet that need. I think one example of that is there was a quote by our former president, Robert Woodruff, who in 1923 claimed that he wanted a Coke product to be available within, quote, an arm's reach of desire whenever the consumer was thirsty. But then if you fast forward to 2018, our current chairman and CEO, James Quincy has revised that quote to claim that our product should be, quote, within a a click's reach of desire. So now our teams work to make sure that wherever the channel, the consumers are able to access the products that they prefer. I love that the phrase, a click's reach of desire. Mm-hmm. I think that embodies the way that I online shop for anything <laughs> these days. Which can be a problem, right? Man, those uh, Instagram ads get you. <laughs> My Instagram ads are so spot on. I, I feel very understood, but also a little concerned. <laughs> it's a problem. It's a problem for my wallet, for sure. <laughs> okay, so this shift, how do you think that has changed your business? I guess like speaking more about the verticals and how people shop or how your customers shop. Sure. I think so Coke right now is our products, our portfolio products are sold in over 200 countries and territories, and we serve over 200 products. So we're talking about a global scale and over 30 million customer outlets across, you know, several verticals of brands. So not just sparkling, but teas and waters and hydration and now even some spiked beverages like Tobo Chico Heart Seltzer, which if you haven't tried yet is so delicious. And then if you think about our company verticals, those have evolved over the years. So we're selling products in retail, but it's now omni-commerce retail where there's big box stores to your local grocery stores, but consumers can now buy online for delivery or click and collect. But then we're also served in the food service industry. So 
every single restaurant where you order a beverage with your meal, we're there. Um, But then also with the rise of food service delivery aggregators, you know, your Coke and your meal can be delivered to your home within like an hour on a Friday night. And then I Of course, we have the pure play customers like where Amazon started and now like players like a GoPuff and D2C models where our beverages are ordered in app and delivered in 30 minutes or less. So we're talking about a lot of scale um, and a lot of possibilities to connect with consumers. And so it's really about finding that right marketing strategy, which I think hopefully a lot of the marketers listening to your podcast can relate to. Yeah. Just out of curiosity, what have you found is the, I guess, the distribution channel that has grown the most in the last few years? Definitely anything related to e-commerce. So I think as a channel, the last two years really has accelerated our business, you know, five to 10 years. And I think what you saw is that any potential barrier to adoption of those online channels that might have existed before the pandemic was kind of erased because consumers had no choice but to test out these models for the first time the last couple of years. So we saw significant growth, but we're also seeing a lot of retention in the space, even as things, quote unquote, return to a new normal. We're finding that they're still using and adopting these channels to kind of meet their everyday needs. So for such a large business, I would imagine that you would have to have some sort of prioritization as you think about these touch points with your consumers. So how would you go about that? Sure. I can't speak for everyone (laughs) where I currently work, but I'll kind of share some advice of things that I've kind of picked up over the years. So as a marketer, when I'm thinking about how to kind of structure my strategic marketing plans, I ask myself three questions in thinking about the right brand and consumer shoppable touch points. So I ask myself where to invest, how to invest, and then where to disrupt. So to elaborate that on a little bit, when I think about where to invest in line, I use the OBPPC model. So that stands for occasion, brand, price, package, and channel. And essentially what that is, is a strategy to offer consumers a broad broad variety of products in different packages for any occasion. And a well-executed OBPPC strategy means that we would have an offering to suit every shopper's need across any channel, while also helping us invest from a marketing lens and the right package to the right consumer at the right time. So for example, our strategy to target a mom who's stopping stocking up on drinks and groceries for her family's upcoming game night or barbecue looks very different than our communication strategy to a college student ordering and wanting to try our latest brand innovation when taking a late night study break. So if we're precise about mapping that OBPPC strategy against marketing spend, we can ensure strong ROI for any of our programs, which is helpful if you're just starting out and building out your strategy, or if you're looking to refine it over time, and it can flex to fit any budget. So that would be the first question I ask. The second question is how to invest. So we have a few tactics that we kind of consider marketing fundamentals. 
So I'd say first for any kind of digital commerce or online marketing, you have to ensure that your digital shelf is in a good place and that that content is created, available, and syndicated across all channels. And that's really to drive conversion at a broad scale. You know, if you're a D2C brand, you have a lot of ownership in this space and you're lucky enough to have consumer data to personalize that experience with your consumers, which is incredible. And then that kind of leads to the second fundamental, which is a search and display strategy. And that really drives discoverability and conversion. So those two fundamentals make sure that you have just a good, strong brand presence online, wherever consumers are shopping. But then from there, you can have more fun with it, right? You can think a little bit bigger. Um, You can think about how to leverage partnerships with programs or networks or retailers to drive joint strategic value. So that could be sports or entertainment, influencers, and the purpose of those programs would be to amplify scale. And then finally for that, you could follow the like to follow the 70-20-10 rule. So that's ensuring that you're spending a majority of your budget efficiently for maximum ROI, but then you're reserving funds for test and learn opportunities and pilots to continue growth. So this is also helpful if you're a marketer looking to secure and buy-in from senior leadership on kind of the value of this space because you can help illustrate that you're not just, you know, throwing money away, but you're showing proof points about where to be intentional and then where to have a little bit of fun and and test out some things where you're not really guaranteed to have ROI, but maybe it's meeting a different brand objective. And I know I'm talking a lot, but the final question I ask myself is where to disrupt. So I think a lot of marketers struggle because there's just so much noise in the market that we're trying to compete with. But I like to think that the one sound to listen to is the voice of your consumer. So thinking about who is your target consumer and what do they care about? Where are they shopping? What media are they consuming? Where are they spending their time? And focus in on those areas and then think of a way to disrupt and get their attention. You don't always have to be making the loudest noise out there, but just focus in so that you are being heard by your consumer. That makes a lot of sense. I love all the examples that you you provided. The first example you provided where you were talking about the college student, you said it in the context of finding some something to drink while you're studying. But the moment you said college student, I was like, mixers for drinks <laughs> where my brain went. Love that. <laughs> we definitely have a whole mixing strategy and <laughs> our drinks are delicious for that occasion if you so choose. <laughs> what if you could provide all of your consumers the most relevant digital experience? With predictive personalization at the heart of your digital marketing strategy, you can build meaningful relationships with consumers and grow your business quickly. Brainify's AI-driven platform can help you at any stage of your personalization journey. Whether you're looking to collect data, optimize customer journeys, or curate predictive personalized experiences, Using one line of code, Brainify integrates with any marketing tool you already use in just two weeks. 
Ready to learn more about creating personalized digital consumer experiences? Connect with us at brainify.ai. So I have a follow-up question about the like the disruption piece that you were talking about. Would you say that by focusing on just like the needs of the consumer, you will be able to find solutions and products and, and campaigns that are disruptive? Or would you say that there's, or is there something else that kind of allows you to disrupt more effectively? And also, if you could, I would love to hear an example of something that maybe isn't the loudest noise, but is still disruptive if you have one. Sure. Yeah. How much time do you have? Because <laughs> I could like talk about this forever. <laughs> yes. I think you hit the nail on the head where as marketers, I think it's important for us to listen to the consumer first and foremost and think about them when we're developing any of our campaigns and just make sure that we're, we're being really authentic with what we're trying to bring to them because we're already interrupting their life and trying to convert them or sell them on, on an opportunity or an idea that maybe they hadn't been part of their consideration set. And I'd say that Coke has really put a focus the last few years in developing culturally relevant audience first experiences that dis- that drive discoverability and purchase and that are platform relevant and ultimately build trust with our consumers. So I'm happy to share a few examples. I do want to caveat that, you know, I am speaking on work that's on behalf of countless team members and agencies across the globe <laughs> that bring this to life. But some recent examples include our shoppable social approach. There's the Stranger Things new Coke product launch. We had a foray into the metaverse with NFTs and a D2C LTO product called Coke Bite. So happy to chat through any of those in details if there's one that's of interest to you. So I think maybe we can chat through two of them. I would personally love to hear about the shoppable social because I think that's something that is trending right now in the in the marketing world. And then I guess the second one is whatever project you were most excited about. Oh, shoot. Putting it back to me. <laughs> okay. Sure. I'll chat about social first. So to give a little bit of background... I think as a perfect example of kind of building internal resources to fit consumer demand and changing needs, Coke North America built an internal social team for the first time in like 2016. And the intent of that social team was to create content with speed and agility based on real-time consumer insights which allowed a real burst of creativity and allowed our brands to show up in new ways. And when we started, the role of the channel was really to build brand love. We were actually very adamant against publishing any content that felt too transactional. And this was, what, like six, five or six years ago. But All of that has changed in the last few years as shoppable social has evolved as a medium and consumers are more comfortable and really rely on social commerce to discover and try new products and their favorite brands, which is just what we were chatting about before with Instagram. 
So I'd say three things have kind of changed in the last few years. One, word of mouth influence and scale has increased. Two, there are now new paths to purchase that are really non-linear. And then three, there are now seamless shoppable experiences that are inherently integrated into these social platforms. So with this evolution, our social content has evolved too. And we've integrated transactional media into our social plans through things like Shoppable Social and Shoppable Spotify podcasts, things like that. But going back to the OBPPC strategy, we choose carefully to feature content that's relevant to the consumer or shares something of interest with them, like maybe a new product or innovation. And then because we're kind of omni-channel and how we deliver products to consumers, we've been linking to several of the most popular retailers to give the consumer the choice of where to transact. So it's a little bit about how we've been operating in social currently. Yeah, I like that there is a transaction element of it, but it's still authentic Mm -hmm. and not too intrusive, I guess. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, that really changed as consumers and their comfort level and adoption of kind of transactional social has changed. Yeah. Okay. And what of the things that you mentioned was your, uh, was the project that was most exciting for you to work on? Sure. So I'll talk about co-creations. So Co-Creations is kind of a broader multi-year platform, and it's taking our classic Coke brand and flavor, but experimenting with it a little bit and releasing LTOs, limited time offering products, where consumers can try and kind of each new iteration of Co-Creations brings like a new cultural connection and has a new theme. So it's been really fun. Um, We've done several so far this year. And one of them was Byte, B-Y-T-E. So Coke Byte was the second limited edition flavor under Coke Creations. And we say that it's the first ever Coke flavor born in the metaverse. And the brief was that Byte celebrates the everyday magic of pixels coming together to facilitate digital connection. So it was inspired by the global gaming community and it was only available to purchase online D2C. But avid consumers had a way to experience Byte's release before the tangible product was available because we released a Fortnite creative experience that gave players kind of a virtual taste of the Byte drink through promotional mini games and a map that out around its design. And so it was kind of chock full of references to Coke and uh, had was like a neon colored virtual world and was our first step into kind of the endless creative opportunities of the metaverse. I'm sorry to say that it is efficiently sold out in North America if you're listening to this podcast, but the good news is that we'll continue to put out these LTO releases and consumers can currently try the latest one, which is called Dream World, which should be available in stores now. So was it like the product, does it start in the metaverse or does it start as a product? We really 
you know, the team that developed the idea was inspired by the metaverse and inspired by the gaming community and kind of the passion that's there and how there's kind of a world of endless connection. And so we, the team knew that they wanted to do an LTO and that was truly the source of the inspiration behind the product itself and the can packaging design um, and really pulled it through throughout the full campaign. Amazing. So as we start to wrap up, are there any other pieces of advice or thoughts that you'd like to share? Let's see. I thought it could be fun to share with a um, end with a piece of trivia. So listeners might not know, but when the designer was first commissioned to create the Coca-Cola bottle, their brief was that the design was to be so distinct that anyone could recognize it, even if it was in the dark or lying broken on the ground, which is how now you have that kind of iconic Coca-Cola bottle shape and that green tinted glass. I love that because I think it is a perfect example of what it means to be an iconic brand that really stands the test of time while still evolving with consumers. So I'd say for your listeners, as you think about how to ensure your brand's legacy online, my main takeaways would be remember that now everything is digital. And secondly, you know, evolve with your consumers because if everything is digital now, then anything could be shoppable. I think follow some of the strategic guidelines with those marketing fundamentals, but also find ways to disrupt the right noise and and have some fun. Amazing. Well, thank you for sharing so much about Coca-Cola, your own approach to marketing, and some of the extremely cool things that you've you've been working on. It was such a pleasure to have you. Of course. Likewise, it was great to have the opportunity to chat with you today. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Beyond Conventional Marketing, a Brainify podcast. Keep connected with us by subscribing to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you found this episode valuable, please rate, review, and share it. To learn more about creating delightful digital experiences, join us for the next conversation.